The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. Here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, wretched supplicants, to another edition of the Star Seminar, where we lay down the Cowboys' knowledge from a position of extreme Cowboyology. We put the endowed in endowed chair. With me is the great Professor Danny Phantom, and I am Dr. Rabble Rouser. Professor Phantom, how are you today, sir? I'm doing really good, but I'll tell you what, Rabs, I was not doing very good on Sunday because... Why not? Well, on Sunday, I actually, the, the game was not nationally televised in my area, so I had to go to uh, go to a place, I won't name the place, but it's a pretty popular place to go watch. a sports bar? It's a sports bar, yeah. Sports bar, restaurant. They serve wings. Um, <laughs> but, say no more. <laughs> but uh, I was very disappointed. I go there and I get there early. As you know, I have anxiety with like I can't miss anything when it comes to the Cowboys. I got to see it from the beginning. So I don't even like going out to watch the games like that. But sometimes I have to. But anyway, I get there. There's like five people there because we're early. Four of them are, are Cowboy fans. There's one a Seahawks fan or whatever. And we're looking at all the screens and, and this place has the team names just, you know, sitting up there. Like, who's playing what? So you just go to your TV, right? And there's, mm-hmm. like, so many big TVs, and there's no Cowboys commanders. And so, you know, I asked the person, I said, can we get one of these, you know, the Cowboys game on one of these TVs? And the person says to me no, that they cannot, that this is the setup that they have. They can't change it. And, like, maybe what we, we can put it on one of these little TVs. And then if like nobody in an hour or so people come in, we can maybe we can take a vote and then we can change it. And so I'm just like, are you kidding me? And I'm looking around with these other Cowboy fans. Are you serious? So we basically for the first hour, we watch it on a little TV, whatever. And then we take a vote and then we get it on the, on the big TVs. But it's just really silly to me. It's like, you kidding me? The Cowboys have got like one of the more nationally televised games. It's like on, it's televised on most of the country, just. Not in my area, because it was the lead. It was the lead Fox broadcast at uh, in, in the first slot. Yeah. So I don't know who's in charge of setting up the priority of this and how the Cowboys didn't make one of the top seven games of the week. But I tell you what, they need to kind of rethink their uh, their planning on that. So anyway, it's just not a big fan of. I mean, it was, it's frustrating. I don't like to, you know, early morning games for me. I I like it when they're on prime time. And, uh, or even the one o'clock. But I was going to ask you, like, of all the choices of where the Cowboys play, what days and times, like, what is your ideal? What's your favorite? Well, it's funny that you say that because my favorite is the the first slot on Sunday. Boo, boo. So I'll tell you why. I, I, I When I started watching the NFL way back in the day, you know, when Bob Waterf- Waterfield or whatever his name was, was the quarterback of the Rams, you know, um, uh, I – 
it was it was it was a very regular setup, right? So all the East Coast games were were in the morning slot. I grew up in California, so that meant that meant 10 a.m. and then the, and then the West Coast games would be at one o'clock. So you could kind of just you know everything kind of worked from east to west, and you always sort of knew that you know like the Raiders and Chargers and Broncos would be on at one, and you'd, you'd have the a, the NFC East teams um, on uh, in the morning slot, and that meant that I would oftentimes have to go to a sports bar at 10 a.m. You know, to where the, where the you know the smell of beer and vomit was still lingering from the night before, um, but but it was always great. You know, you go in, and also, honestly, we'd go and have breakfast most of the time. You know, and 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 watch the game. So as the Cowboys have gotten more popular and and the the games have been spread throughout the the week more with Sunday night football and then of course Thursday football and all that, I, it feels it just feels more sort of um, scattered and the, I, the rhythm of it that I that used I used to be so comforting, which was the East Coast in the morning and the West Coast in the afternoon, and frankly the NFC was on one network and the AFC was on another network, and there was just something there was a clarity to it that I really enjoyed, and you know I mean. I, it's not it's not a big deal but i i do do sort of like that so it's sort of weird whenever that happens now like it did last last weekend because i'm like oh right this is how this is always how it used to be this is kind of cool um and and frankly i just i like it when the cowboys are not in the spotlight all the time it it drives me crazy when they're in the spotlight all the time and i I just like sometimes when they're on a, a you know a quiet little slot where there's no fanfare and they can just play the damn game. I'm not a fan of the morning games for for the reason that I love to watch the Red Zone channel. Like when all mm-hmm. the, all the games are going on, you get so much action there. So I prefer if it, on a, on a Sunday if they're playing. I'd rather, rather it be the the afternoon game. Uh, but uh, yeah, just so yeah, I don't know. It just was wasn't a good time. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing I like about them playing the first slot is is when they win, then you can just kick back and enjoy the rest of the games. If they're playing Sunday night or Monday, you know, you know that the anxiety that you're talking about, that especially if they're playing a big division game or something, you know, you, you can't really enjoy everything else because it it pervades everything. And I love I love it when they just get the win out of the way and then I can watch the other games and just kind of enjoy it and laugh at the teams that don't win because my team has already won. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, that that's a good point, I guess. <laughs> every once in a while, I do struggle and make a good point. Yeah, every once in a while. So, so speaking of making good points, uh, what do you have uh, lined up for us for today's show? Well, um, you know, the the Cowboys have now finished the first four games of the year. Um, our our good friend, uh, Coach Bill Parcells, uh, who we quote and cite frequently here um, because he was a wise man, used to uh, – divide the season into into sort of quadrants of four games um and he would always kind of think about wanting to go three and one or better in each of those quadrants etc so um, i think in, in a kind of parcelsian move what i want to do is just is just sort of stop here and, and think about the cowboys at the quarter pole see where they are and then maybe look forward a little bit to what we could expect in the next four games so not looking beyond those but just the next four so um, we have our good friend Landon McCoolin, who's, uh, for my money, one of the very, very best Cowboys analysts out there and um, also a real level-headed guy. And so I think we're going to take a look at what the Cowboys have done, maybe t- t- talk about some guys who have been surprising or outstanding, uh, and then maybe even have, a, have an opportunity to play a game where we, uh, where we roast some memes. So it should be a pretty fun show. All right, a little progress report there. Yeah, let's get Landon in here and we can get going. All right, let's do it. It is my sincere and succinct pleasure to welcome into our classroom once again the great professor of Cowboysology, <laughs> Landon McCool. <laughs> Sir, how are you today? So great to have you, and I'm, I'm, our students have been just all abuzz waiting for your visit. I, I was definitely hanging on that uh, on that delay that you had before you announced my name to make sure that it was me that you were actually referring to. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't uh, sure. For yeah. a second. <laughs> seriously, you kind of left you kind of left that open for a second. I, I'm good, you know. I'm glad to be back. Always love coming on here and and chatting with y'all about cowboys, about football, uh, and, and inevitably about every other thing that's going on in our life uh, before we start recording. So it, it's good to chat with y'all. You know, for my money, you're one of the best analysts out there, and um, you know it's been it's been my pleasure to work side by side with you for a while, and then listen yeah. to you grow, and uh, you know your your film study and your level headed approach to um, what can be a very kind of polarizing uh, <laughs> conversation 
out in Cowboys land is always something I, I greatly appreciate. So I can't, couldn't think of anybody better to be here to talk to us about, you know, where the Cowboys are here at the corner pole. You know, Bill Parcells used to always talk about that he would break, break the season down into sort of four game segments. It's a little harder now with a 17 game schedule, obviously, but we, we kind of wanted to take that idea and really sort of say, okay, great. So the first quarter of the season is done. What do we know? Where's the team now, et cetera. So um, I want to start that conversation by asking you kind of a fun question. You know, you, you've always been a, a, a guy who, who seems to have a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of, of music and you, you're, you're a sound guy. Um, your excessive love of Steely Dan, notwithstanding. <laughs> so I thought we'd start with this. Um, I'm going to challenge you, and then Dan, I'd love to hear from you too, to name an album title that you think best sums up the Cowboys season thus far. And it can be, the season starts with the beginning of the league year, so it can include the off season if you want it to. So uh, there was one album title that, that popped in my head, and, and we're going to need a little bit of to get there, I think, but but when when you when I first read this question, without a doubt, the, the thing that kind of popped into my head was the uh, Talking Heads album "Remain in Light," mm. um, because it, it's been so much gloom and doom, uh, you know, in Cowboys Land, especially before the first game, and then obviously after Dak goes down, you know, it's it's there's just an insurmountable lead, you know, lead. The season's over. Um, and, and that's not how things have played out, you know, that the, the, the team that we were sure was going to kind of fall flat on their face, um, you know, managed to find some, uh, uh, intestinal fortitude and, uh, some resilience and, uh, we're, we're able to rally around a quarterback who, you know, is better than I would say an average of, uh, a backup quarterback, but still, you know, still a backup quarterback. Um, and find a way to win games, um, you know, not, not always against the Goliath. They're not fighting. They weren't fighting Goliaths every week, but they, they, they played and beat a team that went to the Super Bowl last year while playing with their backup quarterback. Um, that's, that's not something to, to poo poo. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's where I'm at now is that, you know, the, there's still a lot of hope. In fact, you know, I would say hope has grown exponentially between even, the New York Giants game and the Washington game. And, 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 and for that, to me, I, I think that's, that's me remaining in light, you know, that there's still hope here. There's still a path forward despite all the setbacks. Nice. Danny, do you have an album in mind? You know, I do actually. So, I mean, I'm kind of on the same theme with Landon here, uh, but the, but the title, the album that kind of uh, jumps out at me here is, is uh, Aerosmith's uh, 1993 album, uh, Get a Grip. And to, to me, I feel like it kind of embodies both the off season and just the, I think just the temperature of Cowboys Nation too, because I don't even think people really know what to think. Uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of negativity early on, and I think uh, there's a couple songs on there. If you remember that album, um, there was a song. There's there's crying, uh, you know, and then there's amazing, and both of those songs are actually similar. And I kind of feel like I feel like Cowboys Nation was crying earlier. And I think they're now trying to swing over a little bit to, to the amazing. And I think you can't, it's hard to tell the difference. I think both of those video titles have Silverstone in it, if I'm not, yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. But, um, so I mean, I, I, you know, I think a lot of that, I think they're just trying to kind of transition into like, no, I was never worried about this in the first place. And, uh, and another one too, another song from that album too is Living on the Edge. I was just going to say, Living on the Edge to me is the song that seems to like kind of most what's going on with that album absolutely and, and it has so many meanings too because you could actually say maybe it's the cowboys front office yeah. that was living on the edge with some of the offseason moves they did or you could just actually talk about how this whole team is basically you know just benefiting from the the remarkable edge play from from this group too so uh so to me it's i you know i, I think cowboys fans just need to get a grip and uh <laughs> so that's that's my album so i have a question for you landon so I don't know where you where you feel really as far as like how much you're surprised by a lot of stuff that's happening here, but I, I wanted to ask you uh, so far what has been your biggest surprise, and I also want you to just say what um, what's happened so far that has gone as as you predicted. Well, um, I think that the biggest surprise for me so far. You know, we actually got a very similar question um, on our pod about this this morning, 
and it, but it was kind of a binary question between who has been a bigger surprise, uh, uh, Maher right. versus Tyler Smith's play at tackle. Um, and I and I think for me, uh, I, I'm not I'm not surprised by anything a kicker does anymore. I, and 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 I, so I don't I don't I don't even include that in my calculus anymore because kicker is just a, an unpredictable uh, uh, chaos element. Um, so for me, I think that the the most surprising thing so far has been, frankly, the it, it's actually two things, and I think that these these two things kind of actually answer both these questions. I think the thing that I predicted that we would be, you know, that I predicted that came true is that the wide receiver room would be okay. You know, is that, is that, you know, they had enough talent to get in. And again, the point that I was trying to make even back in training camp is I'm not suggesting that they had enough talent at the, as it currently was constructed to make it through the entire season, but they had the talent to help them survive until Michael Gallup came back. And I think that now that Gallup is back, we saw a, a Michael Gallup who looked like a you know reasonable facsimile of the Michael Gallup that we're used to, um, and those are all positive things. I think the thing that was the surprise to me is that the Cowboys managed to do that without getting almost any contribution from Jalen Tolbert. Um, like to me, I saw a guy at training camp who I thought looked mostly ready to go. I, I felt like he had shown us a lot. He had produced. Um, he was consistent. I think by the time I left Oxnard and you know was watching uh, in preseason, it felt like to me he just needed to kind of continue to work on finishing. But he was getting where he needed to be. He was you know he was finding open spots and zones. He was developing a rapport with with Dak, um, you know. And then and then obviously Dak got injured. Um, and and you know look, Tolbert didn't start. Tolbert wasn't even on the active roster week one. But but I, I felt like the fact that he Tolbert had such a rapport with um, with specifically Dak, and then he ended up having to throw a bunch of bunch of games, you know, in, in preseason with Cooper Rush, who he'd never really caught passes from, and then Dak gets hurt, and it suddenly it becomes this kind of spiraling out of control, and, and suddenly Tolbert is 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 just kind of stuck in the mud. He can't get on the roster because he doesn't play special teams well enough. They've got enough guys beneath him that are playing well enough that do play on special teams that he can't make it to the roster. So that was surprising to me early in the season. Obviously, he's 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 had a couple of, of games where he's been on the roster, but I would say overall, the f- it's 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 the combination of things. It's the fact that the wide receivers, for the most part, have have the Cowboys have survived with this group, and the fact that they did so without any contribution from Jalen Tolbert is, is really surprising. What about you, Rad? Did you uh, have any surprises or some just, uh, you know, I told you so's? Well, you know, no one loves it. I told you so better than I do. Um, <laughs> I would say that I'm going to answer this in a similar vein to what Landon just did, which is to say that um, they're connected for me. So for me, the, just as I predicted, is um, that this, the Cowboys are – uh, we're not making uh, bad choices in the off season, but that in fact they saw that they had a good young roster and wanted to clear space for those young guys to develop as much as possible. Right. So I, I, if, if I had had a chance to answer what album characterized the season, I, I, early season, I would have said the kids are all right by the who, because I really okay. feel like um, for me, a lot of their off season decisions make a lot of sense. If we just think about a, a front office that looked at, looked at this roster and said, wow, we have a lot of guys in their first to third years here who are very talented, who are on the come. Let's clear out all, all obstacles and constraints and let them develop. And that's what they've done. What surprises me is how quickly some of them have developed. I mean, you know, I mean, there's several guys who are playing at a level that we could have only really like fondly hoped for and dreamed of. I mean, you know, the, the fact that uh, Tyler Smith has been such a, such a great player at, at left tackle, you know, when he was thrust into that so late in the game, um, you know, the, the fact that so many of the young guys have developed, the fact that Donald Wilson's coming on so strong. I mean, all, all these guys, uh, you know, Odigizua, I mean, this, there's the name, there's, there's probably 12 guys you could name who were at this point in the season um, beyond where I think anybody but the most kind of like Kool-Aid drinking fan could have imagined they'd be. And it's, and it's really consistent. There's so many of them and there's almost nobody who's, who's not, um, 
playing at or above our our sort of you know most fervent hopes. So, um, yeah, my my I told you so, or you know my just as I predicted is is it this is going to be a youth movement, and um, my surprise is how quickly the kids have grown up. I think they've I, real quick. Can I just throw in? I think that they've earned a little bit of of uh, benefit of the doubt now here, right? Like this is now two they, years. The where, front office. Yeah. Well, I mean, or, Mike McCarthy, mm, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is now two years in a row where he has erred on the side of playing the youth and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and allowing these guys opportunity to grow. And really three years, if you want to go back to Terrence Steele, like they, they had every opportunity to go out and try to get another offensive tackle but they knew that they had something in Terrence Steele, and they wanted to work him and get him looks, and that is paying incredible dividends right now for the Cowboys. You know, he's playing at an extremely high level at right tackle, and that and that's because he got opportunity. So that's I think where you know in the off season this last year I was a little frustrated with folks because you know it it have some um, first of all have some resilience as a fan, like you know have some resilience to the idea that guess what you will survive not having the best case scenario um, and then have, you know, some faith in, in, in these young guys developing because, and, and, and I will admit this seems to be a, a more recent phenomenon. It feels like the idea of playing young players to accelerate their growth has changed even exponentially in the last five years. It just seems like these big wide, come, you mean? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that this is, yeah. it, it just feels like there's been a change to the point where, these guys are coming out of college, and, and and maybe it's not the change in college. Maybe it's the change in the pros, right? The, the, the pros are more open to working in systems that these kids come out of college and recognize. Yes. And that means that they can get up into uh, the speed quicker and perform and, and just let their athleticism take over a lot sooner than they were, let's say, in the early 2000s, you know, the, the 10s. I mean, certainly the 90s and the 80s, right? So I think that there is this... Um, kind of antiquated view of roster building that insists that you know, hey, if we don't have a, 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 a experienced vet here, that that they're not going to know what to do. Well, the, the schedule is seventeen games long now, right? Or it's seventeen, you know, it's eighteen weeks, right? Seventeen mm-hmm. game schedule. Like by the time you you get a rookie on the field, by week seven they are a vet. You know, by week eight they are a vet. Except they're all they're a twenty three year old vet that's costing you pennies on the dollar. Versus what you would have had to get for a guy who will likely be on your injury reserve by, you know, week two after you sign him. That's the other thing that I think is shocking to me is just how predictable all these older veterans that the that people like associated with the Cowboys designed or the guys that even that we wanted to sign like Randy Gregory. Right. Like the Cowboys wanted to sign Randy Gregory like that mm-hmm. was the plan. It didn't happen. But look now how that's turned out. He's been fantastic for them. He's he's led the league in pressures, but he's also already got a hurt knee and he's on injured reserve and he's 29 years old. He's a 29 year old defensive end with two hurt knees, and and you, now for that same price, you know, again, this was not the Cowboys' original intent, intent, but maybe it's better to be lucky than good. Now at that same price, except you know, way less even, you got Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler who combined are producing at a level that Randy Gregory is. And you've got, you know, a little bit more youth there. You can rely on them to be on the field more. So I think that the, the thing that we're kind of coming to terms with is that, you know, not my way is not always the is not the only way, you know, and that that goes for Jerry Jones. That goes for Will McClay. That goes for every fan out there. There are a lot of different ways to do this. Uh, and, and we shouldn't always be like so uh quick to assume that that the the way that it's being done is not going to work because it's completely unpredictable yeah i I mean to to piggyback on that it feels like what fans do year in and year out is reverse engineer process and product and they see whoever wins and say that's the way to do it and the cowboys aren't doing it that way when when in fact there's a lot of teams that do it the same way as the super bowl champs and fall on their face this week's opponent it's not a foolproof way of roster building there isn't one you know and and we'll talk about this as we talk more about the Rams, probably. But the Rams, the Rams backdoored into a Super Bowl championship. Anybody else with any other kind of roster building philosophy could have backdoored into it as well. That's kind of the way that the, the league works this way. So, so to me, the thing that's important is 
have a philosophy, stick to it. Don't vacillate year to year because that's when you get things really screwed up. And and they've done it. And, and you know, I think that they – I will say one more thing too. I, I'm sorry to, to derail the conversation here a little bit, but I think there's a couple of interesting points that can be made, which is that – I'd love to hear what your, your thought on this is as well, Landon. My, my, my little pet theory is that the Cowboys have done a better job of drafting and developing under uh, Mike McCarthy because in some ways – he doesn't have any pretensions to being a scout, whereas Jason Garrett's job description included a bullet point for scouting or son or son of scouting. You know what I mean? And so there was a sort of expectation that he and his scouts or excuse me, he and his coaches would contribute to the scouting process more, which I think ultimately served to muddy the waters. And I think I think McCarthy um, has kind of said, oh, scout, scout, coaches, coach and give me some good players. You, you just give me some high quality groceries. And I'll make some delicious meals. And I feel like that's clarified. Um, the process for the scouting department. And I also feel like McCarthy and his coaches have done a really, really good job of identifying traits they want in players, let's say 35 through 50 on the roster. So there's guys who may not start, but they have something that they do really well that, 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 that allows them to contribute, whether it's special teams or whether it's in a couple packages or whatever it might be. And so they're getting contributions all up and down the roster. And I felt like there was just less clarity about that during the Jason Garrett years. And as a consequence, you know, we oftentimes looked at, at the, at the, those sort of spots in the roster and kind of went, Ooh, those guys aren't, those guys aren't really doing much to help this team out. That's, that's a really interesting conversation. And I think that those are different things that are kind of difficult to parse because I'll say this, I would take Jason Garrett as a member of this front office. If he, if he wanted to be like, if he wanted to come mm -hmm. work in person personnel, I would be on board with bringing him in. Cause I do think that, he has an eye of ta eye for talent there um, that is that is good. Now, here's the other part of the problem that when you let Jason Garrett do that, it means you're letting your d your defensive coordinator by default also do that. Exactly. And, and, and they've he had some poor uh, defensive coordinators in, in regards to uh, identifying talent. Rod Marinelli was great at a lot of different things. He was not great at identifying talent. Uh, and when his voice got too loud in there, a lot of times it, 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 the problems would you know kind of bubble up to the top. So mm -hmm. I would say I, I think the thing that Mike McCarthy does well that is contributing to this, his contribution, because I, I agree, I don't know that he's the guy who's necessarily out there grinding film simply because that's not what he was used to at either San Francisco or Green Bay. Um, but I, I think that I think the difference is that what he is used to is providing a, a, a space and an, a place for opportunities for those young people where Jason Garrett was not willing to do that. Right. I think Jason Garrett at times was too focused on letting, making sure veterans were the ones on the field and not serving the youth movement. And, and I mm -hmm. think that that's where McCarthy has an understanding that it's not about form. It's not about having the best team at the beginning of the season. It's about having the best team at the end of the season. And that means getting young players who develop into superstars on your team as opposed to buying a superstar and hoping they make it to the end of the season. And it's also making sure your guys are 100% healthy before they play so that they're healthy at the end of the year, which is one of the great – I totally agree more really about his philosophy. But it, the irony, of course, is what happened at the end of last season when they sort of tailed off. It's sort of the, so the, the, the anti-McCarthy arc, you know, even though, even though he was trying to do everything he could to get the team – to week 17 and beyond. Um, let's table this conversation. It's a, it's a rich uh, minefield of possibilities, but I think we do need to, to sort of move on and, and refocus on the most recent four weeks. Um, so I, I think it's time to hand out some first quarter awards. So this is a three-parter. Uh, Landon, who's your first quarter MVP? Well, I, I mean... It's tough. Like, I mean, it's hard not to say Micah Parsons just because of the effect that he has, obviously, on both sides of the of the of the field. Um, I'm sure that we'll be handing him out all kinds of awards here and there. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna go a little bit on a little controversial here, and I'm going to say uh, Cooper Rush because. Simply because, and not that I think that he's the um, irreplaceable player, but the value in having him just kind of come in and do what he's done, even I, I think it's on par with the gravity that is, of what of what Micah Parsons is doing for the rest of the team, and, and and if anything, I think that shows you like 
um, you know, how good Micah Parsons is, right? That his value, his ability to alter the course of a team from a defensive position is on par with a quarterback. You know, that's that's pretty rare. Like quarterbacks are the most consequential position in all of sports, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 so I think that you know it's easy to say Micah Parsons. I think I mean because simply not not that it's not hard. I'm saying it's easy because he's done so much and he's had such an effect. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, it, it's Cooper has had such a positive effect. And if he had come in and been flat or just been a bus driver or not been able to make the plays that we've needed to, I think we could easily be looking at a team that was 0-4 at this point. I mean, that I, I think it was really easy to see this team going, losing, you know, almost every game that, that Dak was gone. And the fact that they've won every game that he's uh, been gone. I think is a huge credit to the team, obviously, but I also think that you know, while wishing that Dak was back, we should appreciate what Cooper Rush has done as the backup quarterback. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Next question: Who's the who's your rookie of the year at the quarter pole? I I I mean, for me, it's it's hard to, to beat what Tyler Smith has done. I, I I mean, and I think he's not getting enough, you know, appreciation. Um, you know, nationwide, he didn't get a lot of appreciation on draft night either. So I guess mm-hmm. it's not surprising. You know, people want to confirm their priors there, but um, I, you know, the fact is, is that he came in uh, from a smaller school. I mean, not you know, not a small school, but I mean, for a first round pick, that's Tulsa is not a big school. Um, and he spent the entirety of you know, the spring and the summer playing guard, learning how to play guard, learning how to to, to do the, the the pass pass protections from guard learning all the footwork, you know, the good news for him is that footwork is more based on side as it is to position. Like, especially when you're Mm -hmm. talking about wide zone or inside zone, it's very similar steps and footwork that you do with guard and tackle. So he, he gained a lot of benefit there by being a left side player. And I think that's was key to them making him a quote unquote left side player, but for him to spend the entirety of his rookie training camp and OTAs playing guard, and then you know, having been a tackle and then, you know, at the very last minute, you know, the week or two before the regular season starts to ask him to go out there and play left tackle. Um, you know, I, I mean, week one against Shaq Barrett and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then it's not like he didn't have a, a bunch of other really difficult assignments these these last few weeks, because despite what we said about the teams overall, I mean, he's he's faced some decent pass rushers he's faced some decent defensive ends Mm -hmm. so i i just i could not be more impressed with his ability to transform his his body transform his technique uh and and you know this is a guy that we i mean i was told that he can't step on a field without getting three holding calls and you know he he's been able to make it this far without you know not only not getting a bunch of penalties called against him he had some but i mean just watching his tape his technique is different there's you know he's not getting called for holding because he's not doing what he was doing before in a lot of ways so i've been super impressed with tyler smith i think it's 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 harder sometimes for people to view it but he's been he's a superstar in the making as far as i'm and then the last one for you, and then Dan, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, I'd love to hear your point of view on at least one of these questions. Um, Landon, second or third year player who's taken the biggest step? Well, and again, this may be um, this may be the biggest shock, really, because how could he? It's Micah Parsons. <laughs> it's, you know, like. I mean, the dude is different. Like now that he's really figured out how to be a pass rusher, like mm-hmm. now that he's figured out what they're trying to do. And honestly, this is something that that um, John Oning point, pointed out to me. And, and, and I think that is really was really great thought. He learned a spin, inside spin move and he doesn't even need to use it. Like it, it, it's just the fact that he knows how to do it. and He's got that on tape now. Like they don't have any kind of way to consistently stop him without help. He's so fast around the outside that if you overset him, he's just going to spin back. And that's, right, that's right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and even he doesn't even need to do that. And if you, and if you don't overset your beat. Yeah, absolutely. And and, <laughs> and, and, and and he's so quick that like, 
he doesn't even need to do the inside spin. What he can really do is just, you know, begin his arc and then by the second step seamlessly step inside as opposed to outside without losing any speed. And and now suddenly he's on top of the quarterback. So um, I, I, I think that, you know, last year he did what he did, um, you know, without without a lot of double teams. You know, he uh, towards the end, they, there were teams focusing on they were treating him like a big as opposed to a small. You know, they were they were calling him out as as a as a defender, uh, you know, in their line checks. I, I think we have to remember that he did all that like without any kind of idea of what the hell he was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, he, we go into the second year and now teams know that he's coming like, and they, they, there's been plenty of hype and he's still doing this. Like, that's the thing that I think we need to recognize is that this, no one's surprised by Micah Parsons. They knew he was coming. They still can't stop him. Uh, and that is, yeah, know, he's, he's scheme transcendent. Yeah. I, again, I, I think Joe Banner said it the other day, and I'm glad that he did because I've been quietly whispering it to myself, you know, in hopes. And I've probably done this about other guys, including Demarcus Ware, and you know. But I mean, he's he is Lawrence Taylor, Mike. Like he is that combination of speed and strength, and and just like ferociousness in his in his aggressiveness. I, I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. Dan, what are your thoughts on any of those questions? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Actually, I'll just go quickly. I, I don't have a lot to say about love because Landon's got all the correct answers to all of them. Um, <laughs> I, I totally agree with everything. Uh, I do think Micah's the obvious uh, you know, MVP. And I, I, he would actually, if we go back to the, you know, just as I expected question, I think, uh, Micah Parson belongs on the edge would be the thing that I would say for, for me, because you can see how destructive he is. But I do want to give a little shout out to Tank because I think that he's been playing really well. And I also just think his ability in the, you know, against the run kind of allows them to, to just assemble more edge rushers out there, um, you know, at one time. And I just think that that's just made a bit, huge difference. So, uh, for, for the rookie year, it's definitely Tyler Smith. I don't, I don't know what was wrong with people who were just down on this guy. I mean, we, we don't know anybody who, who was down on him though, do we? I don't know any personally per se, but you know, I've heard there's people, you know, that, but anyway, he's just been nothing short of fantastic to me. And I, I agree totally with Landon. He's going to be, be a star. Sam Williams is looking, he gets better every, every week. And I've obviously Jake Ferguson is further along than I, than I thought too. So I think those are two, Big surprises, but I also want to touch on um, second year, third year players. I think that uh, Israel Mukwamu has been a surprise to me as far as what he's contributed in year two because he was basically just completely left out of the equation last year. We didn't see him at all, and he's now he's logging really uh, you know good snaps. And you know you know Dono gets all the he, Dono's a splash maker, you know, and he's a, he's having a great season. Um, but Mukwamu's been really good uh, also, choice. and uh, also too. And we, and we just we forget about this guy is Tyler Biotish. I um, mean, mm. he has been. I mean, have you guys heard about Biotish? I mean, he's just quietly, you know, blocking, you know, moving and, and you know, running in second level and blocking. He's so he's just doing doing Tyler Biotish things, and it's just the you know, the whole line as a whole has been a surprise. But I think that I mean, I remember early last year, it's like 
if we could only do something about Tyler Biotis and stuff. And then, of course, Connor Williams kind of overstepped, like, took over the weakest link role relatively quickly. But I'm just really impressed with, with Biotis and how he's come along. So, my last question for you, Landon. Uh, I want to let's just look forward a little bit, and we will just take a look at these next four games. Um, and I want you to give us a uh, this, so this is a three-part question. I want you to give us a, just a, a record for the Cowboys' record for these next four games, uh, and I want you to to kind of look in your crystal ball, and I want you to just tell us like, what is a position group that you think is uh, most likely to get better, and what's a position group that you think could possibly fall off. Okay, so let's look at the next four games. So we got the Rams. We got at the Rams, at Philly, versus Detroit, versus Chicago. So, you know, I think the Rams, the Cowboys are playing the Rams at the right time. (laughs) To play them post-San Francisco on a short week. um, And they are, you know, they came into the season with offensive line problems. uh, And they've only gotten worse for the Rams. So I I feel pretty good about this game. Look, it's still the Rams, and I think that Sean McVay is still Sean McVay. He's going to look to be having a, uh, a bounce back situation. Um, but I, I I still like the the Cowboys' opportunities there, simply on the timing of everything. Uh, and I also think that Matt Stafford is going to be hit a lot in that game. Um, at Philadelphia, I mean, this is the game we've all had circled, right? I think there's so this is where it's going to start to get really difficult because this is when I assume we can actually start talking about Dak potentially coming back. Um, if Dak plays, I think it will be a good game. I, I mean, I think these are two very evenly matched teams at this point. Um, I think that despite what uh, uh, Jacksonville showed them last week, uh, I think the Cowboys will be the best defense that they've played so far. Um, and I, and I think that, they are going to uh, have uh, the Cowboys are going to have a handful of trying to stop the run game specifically because Philadelphia's run game is is so uh, uh, diverse and they have such talented offensive linemen. So uh, that should be interesting to see exactly how that whole game plays out. Honestly, Detroit, you know, I mean, just the the tryhard team that could they they've got an offense that you that you would not have imagined to be this as successful as it has been so far this year. Um, I I just think that that's a, a a tough out like that that's the definition of a tough out you know like not a team that you expect to uh, win a bunch of football games necessarily, um, but definitely a team that you don't want to play you know. Uh, and Chicago is a is a win that the Cowboys will get. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about the Bears. <laughs> They're terrible. Um, I, you know, and then I'm sorry. What was the other part that you? So, the second part. That you now, just just uh, which position group do you think is most likely to get better, and which one you think might fall off? You know, so I mean, that's part of this, right? Is that there's so much youth being served in so many different spots that I I think in general the team overall is probably going to uh, get better like as the season goes on. But if we're looking for a specific spot where youth is going to be served and, and, and go, I think it's the offensive line um, because I do wonder, you know, exactly uh, how left guard is going to shake out to all this. Um, and, uh, and then like you, you, you talk about Smith, you know, progressing, you know, eventually you wonder if if Tyron Smith can make his way back. That just gives you either depth or options to move people around if you want to. Um, you know, Peters will get more and more into the swing of things, and I think that will hopefully mean that he plays more and more. Um, you know, you wonder if McGovern will hopefully get a little bit healthier. Biotish will continue to improve. I just think there's lots of opportunity for that group as a whole as they play more together to solidify and play a lot better especially if they kind of get a, a final configuration of potentially Smith, uh, Peters, Biotish, Martin, and uh, Steele. Um, but we'll see. And I think the group that has the chance to regress, um, you know, I worry about how much, uh, you know, the, I worry about, the fact that we haven't seen any other running backs get any carries besides Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. 
I, I I like that they're splitting them up, and I think the touches are great, and I and I and I think it's going to help them by the end of the year. But I really, really would like to see Rico Dowdle get in there and get some carries, simply because I think he can do it, and I just think that it's not the worst idea to you know to steal a couple of series here and there of of, of carries and to take off of those guys' bodies by the end of the year. I, it's just a lot to rely on. Uh, throughout the year, and and I know nobody like running backs aren't sexy anymore. No one wants to talk about that, but I do hope that you know Zeke doesn't get another kind of MCL type injury that maybe doesn't knock him out of the season, but it it, it severely limits him. Uh, you know, it's, it's Pollard the same way. I I just I just I hope that the split of the running backs as it currently stands um, is enough to kind of stave off the creeping uh you know issues of touches and injuries and, and and potential missing time and that sort of thing so landed i hear you correctly you got the cowboys going three and one over the next four you say detroit uh, was a tough out but you they are an out indeed right so uh, yeah i think i think uh i think it two and two seems more likely i i, I don't know I mean, if the Cowboys beat, let's put it this way: if the Cowboys beat both Philly and Los and the Rams, then they're definitely beating the the, the Lions and the and the the uh, the Bears. So I think it's it's either if I'm going to rank the scenarios. Here we go. Here we go. Ranking the scenarios: number one, uh, two and two; number two, four and zero; oh. number three, three and one; and then number four would be zero oh and four. Right? Like like that's that's, that's how I would view. Interesting that you jump three and one like that. Rabs, do what do you what do you think the Cowboys gonna do in the next four games? So for me, that the key really is that Rams game, and, and as Landon said earlier, I think that the Cowboys are catching them at a really good time where their defense is going to be capable of keeping them in the game because I just don't trust the Cowboys' offense to generate enough explosives to to um to win to win games where the uh, the opposition is, is scoring more than 20 points. And so uh, I'm seeing two and two. If they can beat the Rams, I think then they, they have a, a decent chance at, at three and one, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be surprised to see them beat the Rams and lose to the lions. So I think my, my top choice would be two and two. And that's what I want. I, I don't want them to finish the second half of uh, or the, the first half of the season at, at um at like four and four after all the good work that Cooper Rush did them to sort of quote unquote save the season. Yeah, I, one thing I want to add too is that I totally agree that this Sunday's game is going to be very interesting to to kind of just see like because the Cowboys you know we we need to beat a good team and the Rams are they're a little bit down and out right now so that's you know, I mean it would be really great to to come out of that and with a win but also too another one game I'm worried about is going to be. Dak's return, and I, I could see that yeah. possibly being, in, in, you know, against the Lions, and and I could see that be being a game that gets away from us. And of course, I hate the narratives that's going to happen, but I, I totally fully expect that Dak's going to have a little bit of. You know, I don't think he's going to come back, and I could. Be, I hope I'm wrong. I don't think he's going to just come back and just light it up. I think there's going to be a come. You know, he's going to need to come in and, and get himself, you know, worked into things. And I know he's a seasoned veteran, but I do think that. It wouldn't surprise me to see Prescott have a little bit of a struggle, just you know, coming right, coming back, and unfortunately, that's going to bring a lot of noisy, you know, narratives that you know we're not going to want to listen to. But I think think that that's certainly a real possibility, just in the sense of you know, before he um, starts playing the way that we expect Dak to play. So I'm also uh, two and two is also what I say too. But I I wouldn't be surprised to me if if we lost that one with Detroit. I'll just throw in that I, I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, let's say Dak can't come back for Philly. Like, let's say it's not this week and it's not next week. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even further delay it with Dak. If if he can't make it back for Philly, you know, like then at that point, all right, let's let's. How much are we rushing this? Let's make certain that Dak is okay before we put him back on the field immediately because. I don't know. I mean, I I just think that Philly game is really a, is obviously a big circle, you know, because it's a division game, because it's Philly, um, and I and I just wonder that if that isn't the line of demarcation of an ex, of a of a accelerated schedule, and if he can't hit that, then all right, well then maybe we give him just another week just to, to kind of rest it off because to avoid what you just described, Danny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, the last thing we want is is DAC and not really quite ready, not not 100%, you know, not, maybe just doesn't have, you know, the full grip strength on the road against Philadelphia, they, the, those nutty fans and, and they start to get in a free feeding frenzy, they get yep. behind. I mean, that's the worst worst case scenario, you know. And so I I think that I think you're right. I think if if he can't make it back for that and they don't feel like he can be the guy who brings them back to the their offensive full flower, then 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 why not just wait. Yeah. Um all right, so here, so for our last thing we want to do with you here today, uh, Landon, is we're going to play a little game. Um, we're calling it Meme Market. So I'm a meme farmer, and I'm, mm. I'm bringing my wares to the to the farmer's market of memes here. Um, I'm going to have a, a nice display table, and I'm going to have five juicy Cowboys memes on, on display. And I want you as a shopper to come to the table and tell me how you're going to rank these memes from gross. I'm not buying that at any price all the way through to, do you have any more of that in the back? Because I'll take <laughs> all you've got. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So here are here are our five memes. If you need me to re- repeat them, I will because you know there's they're complicated. Um, first one, and and these go all the way back to the beginning of the season. The Cowboys are giving up on 2022 and setting themselves up for 2023. Second one, the Dallas offense really misses Lael Collins and Amari Cooper. Third one, Mike McCarthy and his staff have done a tremendous job this year. Fourth one. The Cowboys offense is better with Cooper Rush under center. And then the fifth one, this is the best Cowboys defense since the 1970s. Wow. That last one is, uh... yeah, it's funny because the other day I I, th- I said that I thought this is the best defense in the last 25 years. I would agree. That's, yeah. that's, that's quite a distance further. I, d- I did that to make it a little bit more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I think the buy the one I'm buying up all of is is uh, Mike McCarthy and his staff have done a hell of a job. Uh, it's hard to argue that. I, I think if, if you know if they've what they've been able to do with the backup quarterback uh, is is incredibly impressive. And uh, you know, say what you want about McCarthy, like he took uh, the initiative to grab back hold of of the game planning and make sure that they set something up that would be. Um, you know, uh, uh, conducive to having a backup quarterback in there that would allow Cooper Rush to uh, accentuate what he can do well. And then, you know, Cooper Rush took it upon himself to make plays because that's ultimately, you could set up your, your backup quarterback all you want, but if your core backup quarterback can't make the plays when you need them to, and I, and I mean plays down the field, I don't just mean like throwing a dump off when the guy's open. I mean, you know, splitting, splitting defenders and, and fitting it into tight windows for chunk plays. It, 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 if you can't do that, then you're not going to have a, a, a very successful time in the NFL. So that would, to me, is the one I, I would be buying the most. Um, I think the, yeah, I need the other one. So give me, give them to me one more time. Sure, absolutely. So the Cowboys are giving up on 2022 and setting themselves up for 23. Dallas's offense misses Lael Collins and Amari Cooper. The Cowboys' offense is better with Cooper Rush under center, and or or in shotgun and this is the best cowboys defense since the 1970s okay cool i'm i'm, I'm actually writing them down now uh best d since the 70s so i, I uh i think the, the giving up the giving up thing is 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 one that is definitely going to be uh, i'm going to throw that back in your face a little bit uh, I don't want. I don't want your wares. This, this seems rotten to me. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and look, this this was a this was a meme that that I was you know certainly hinting at at certain points where it felt like, um, it it, it felt like they were at least cap space wise lining things up, and and I still think they are in some degrees. Like, you know, they're they're planning for a future where they have to pay. Micah Parsons and, and, and Trayvon Diggs and CeeDee Lamb, and, and it's going to take all that money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I, I definitely don't agree that they're giving up. So I, I would say that that is uh, uh, definitely closer to the uh, I'm not buying that at any price option. Uh, the Amari at LC, uh, Amari and LC uh, offense missing them. You know, I think we can definitely rule out that the, the, the uh, offense is missing LC uh, at this point. Uh, I mm-hmm. think. Terrence Steele is might might be a better football player right now. Uh, yeah, I think he definitely is. Yeah, uh, and certainly with all the you know kind of 
continued injury and, and, and just, you know, ambiguity about his playing and stuff. I think it's, that's pretty clear. Uh, I think that the Cooper thing is a wash to me. You know, I, I mean, again, like, I think that there is elements of Cooper's game that, that he can do that obviously these other guys can't do. But I think the thing is that people forget is that we don't need him to do those things anymore. And we don't need a 20 million guy, $20 million guy to be the uh, third target or a second wide receiver in this offense. Like you can get the production you need to win football games, uh, similar production uh, at, at a fraction of the price and not have to be the guy that draws attention away because you have that guy as you know, you already have CD lamb as your number one wide receiver. So um, I, I think it's, a, I think that's the thing is that, the Cooper situation was a luxury, not, not, not a necessity for having a good offense. Um, and so I think that the, the Cowboys are probably better off than they, than without those guys, simply because I do think the Amari situation is, uh, it's not better or worse, or if it is, it's, it's, it's marginally better or worse. Uh, but the LC situation seems like a clear upgrade when you have Terrence Steele. Um, Definitely, the offense is definitely not better with Cooper Rush. That's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I look at the third down. Quarterbacks are paid for third downs. So go is, look at. Is, the, is that a less appetizing meme than the fact that the Cowboys are giving up on 2022? Yeah, I think it is because it's a little bit insulting to Dak, honestly. Um, it, because it's just this idea that, uh, and, and again, I, I also think it, 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 it it's, does two things. It, it's insulting to Dak, and it's also insulting to the incredible hard work and, and cr- incredible coaching job of this coaching staff, you know, and, 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 and of all the players around him. It's not just that Cooper Rush uh, is playing well. Like, th- th- this team, in a way that they didn't week one, is stepping up for their quarterback, uh, you know. And I felt like if you go back and watch that game against Tampa Bay – yeah, Dak didn't have a great game, um, but a huge portion of that was that the guys around him weren't playing very good either. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like you know, Ceedee Lamb has woken up. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the other guys, Brown has gotten more confident in this offense. Uh, they, I feel like they've gotten a better swing on what they're doing in, in the run game. So uh, I, I do think that this uh, there's an improvement that the offense is better currently than it was week one. But I don't think it's better because Cooper Rush is in there playing quarterback or because the game plan that they use with Cooper Rush is better for the Cowboys overall. Uh, and then the best D since uh, since 72. Well, 70s, I guess, is what you said. Uh, those 90s defenses are really good, man. Like, you know, I, I, that 93 defense specifically, you know, that year that Woodson really started to come on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that, I think that where they are comparable is that um, they both are extremely deep and talented rosters and young, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I think that they certainly, oh, let's put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if we got to the end of the season and we were definitely saying that. I would not at all be surprised. I mm-hmm. don't know that they're quite there yet. I think this team's deeper at corner. Yes, I would agree. Maybe not as deep as line, at linebacker because there was a lot of good young linebackers on that team, but um, but I think this team's deeper. But if you, corner. if you wanted to phrase it as second level defenders, Absolutely. I think that they would. Yes. I think that they would be on par. Yeah, you know, yep. no question. So, right back seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think as as far as pass rush goes, I think they're better. You know, like those guys had a lot of guys who were very good. This defense has a lot of guys who are very good, and on top of that, Demarcus Lawrence and and Mike Parsons. I think the thing that this team is missing is, and you talked about this on I think on your pod is they don't have a Leon Letter Jimmy Johnson who can line yep. up a defensive tackle and just wreak havoc. Yep. I think Oz is getting there, yep. uh, and I think he has a skill set to really be disruptive. Uh, I like what I've seen a lot from Quentin Bohana as a different type of defensive tackle interior-wise, but I agree that they don't necessarily have that guy. But again, they also find ways to manufacture that by putting you know Demarcus Lawrence in as a three technique on on NASCAR pack- packages, and so uh, that what they are very good at is. Uh, using all the pieces of the Buffalo, if you, if you want to, you know, go there, like doing, 
getting more juice out of out of the out of the squeeze, you know, uh, every mm-hmm. single time. That that they're really impressive with that. Can we just take a moment to just appreciate that we're having this conversation where we're uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I was talking to somebody the other day and I could not believe uh like you know the fact that we were having a conversation about how good our safeties and defensive tackles are. I was like, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. When was the last time I was like thrilled about the depth at my defensive tackle and safeties? Probably like 20 years. Like it's been forever. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It really is. I I mean, I think either one of those has had little glimpses here and there in the last 20 years, but never both at the same time and never to this degree. It's, it's really nice. Dan, any, any thoughts about any of these memes? Is there, is there one in particular that you want to buy up all of it or you want to make sure that you never have that in your pantry? I, I think most, most of these are pretty trashy to me, Rad. So I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not going to be a big purchaser of your, uh, of your rotten my meat. wares yeah. but uh but i work I, so hard to cultivate them <laughs> I, will, I will say this though I, I i do i do want to make sure you know it i i too want to give mccarthy his props i think that and i think that's just the coaching staff in general i think that you know i we, we haven't seen so many good quality coaches across the board with this team and it's and you know i'm talking both with coordinators and assistant coaches and everything so i think that the coaching staff in general has just been fantastic and they're just they're remarkable what they do and um, so definitely, they've done a, a fantastic job. Um, all this other stuff, like I said, I mean, I, I do I do love Amari Cooper, and I still I still have memories of him way back to 2021 when he's you know making <laughs> making plays, and I wonder like I hope I still hope we don't miss that. But you know, Landon makes a good point as far as like what I mean what when you took take about think about what you're missing or what you can get out of other guys. It's it's not as big as a uh, as one might think. So that that's, yeah, that's my feeling. How about you, Rabs? Anything that's, uh, do you have a favorite of this trashy memes that you've lined up for us? Well, I think these memes are all, all gorgeous. And I think anybody's a fool not to buy them all up. No, <laughs> I, I think the, um, I mean, I set them up in a way where obviously I liked some of them and thought that they were, they were things that would be uh, ingredients in a delicious stew. And other ones I thought would, should deserve to rot on the shelf. And um, I think the ones that, the ones that I thought were the tastiest were the ones that Landon identified. I think the McCarthy and his staff have done a tremendous job. I think that, um, you know, people are, people are, there's a sort of associated, associated mean, which is they're, uh, the Cowboys were uh, tanking for 22 so they could fire McCarthy and hire Sean Payton. And I thought that was just the most ridiculous sort of amalgam of two, of two unconnected and both sort of uh, decidedly wrong threads. I, I'm going to hold on to my idea that I think McCarthy's going to be here for eight, eight years. I think he's going to be here for a long time, and I think that he and his staff are are beginning to show people uh, why in the beginning of a of a run. I don't know that they'll ever win the Super Bowl, but I think that he's a good enough coach that they're going to be in the in the game most years. Uh, uh, you know, in, in the for the rest of this yeah, decade. Yeah, I, I quickly, Brad, I, I I want to disagree with you there because I I think this is his last year unless the Cowboys do do something. I think that I I, I really think that. The, the the love for Quinn is is a real thing, and I I think we I don't think that we want to give that up, and I, I don't know exactly what's going to go down, but I just feel like I, I don't believe Sean Payton's coming here, but I I could totally see us transition to Dan Quinn, and, and I, hey, we've heard one of our players say I'll go where Quinn goes, and I tell you what, you know I I uh, that would be a little bit of incentive to to not you know lose Dan Quinn. So t- to me, I think McCarthy. I don't know. I mean, I, I, he's done a great job, but. I still think he is what he is to me, and I—I I, I mean, the guy hasn't even made it to the divisional round yet, let alone not I, get past it. So I, I would be—I would not be shocked if there was equal chance that Dan Quinn comes back as a defensive coordinator next year for the Dallas yep. Cowboys uh, again. Yep, yep. because we—we we, we didn't—we didn't see it last year. We said there's no way that, that he comes back. There's no way that Kellen Moore comes back these last two years. Both years they did. Gary will offer him a lot of money. I think that the, he wants to be a head coach again. I, I, I definitely agree that there, but I also think that he understands that he's on a roster that's making him look extremely good. That there's synergy there. This is good for his career, and that he's still incredibly young. I mean, he's I mean he's very young for for this, so he still has plenty of time. So I, I definitely agree that there that that Danny, what you suggested is uh, the most likely. I would say scenario correct. But I, I, I think that people aren't necessarily giving enough uh, uh, credit to the idea that it, it may they may be able to run it back again next year, just like they did this year. 
And I think the other possibility is that they'll do enough this year so that that, that they, yeah. they can't justify getting rid of McCarthy by the end of yeah. this year when this team grows up, unless something you know, unless there's some significant injuries to position groups. Um, I think it's very possible they may they may make some noise, and so uh, they'll have no choice but to keep the coach. All right, so Landon, as always, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, you know, I just uh, there's a lot of craziness out there, and uh, and it's just nice to have, like Rab said, the level-headedness that you bring. Um, you know, I don't feel like. There's a lot to argue with you about. That's uh, that's one thing about. But you know, at the same time, I really think it's important to to spread this knowledge and this information because this is where our minds need to be. So I I, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, hanging with us. And uh, can you tell everybody where they can find your great work? Yeah, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Always enjoy it, and it's great to kind of chat in long form uh, about Cowboys. Uh, you guys can always find me on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Uh, obviously I, I host co-host a podcast with Marcus Mosier called the locked on Cowboys podcast. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. So please check us out wherever you f- procure your fine podcast or, uh, YouTubes, uh, please come and find us, uh, and like, and subscribe us. We, we certainly appreciate it. We're, we're, we're available five days a week. So, uh, we definitely serve as sort of a, uh, uh, kind of a, a counseling session for Cowboys fans, uh, uh, you know, five days a week. So please come and join us. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thank you guys so Thanks, much. Landon. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Well, no big surprise. You know, it, it was great to talk to Landon. Um, is you know, a, a really great meandering, but also deeply informative discussion. I, I always learn a lot whenever he comes on and, um, you know, always look forward to the next time we can have him on. Yeah, Landon, I mean, it's, like I said, we hear a lot of different opinions about different things, but I mean, Landon's super in tune with what's going on, and uh, he's very rational, too, and I just think that, I think Cowboys fans, we need more more doses of that, because it's just, it gets a little crazy sometimes, you just steer a little too far off of reality, so it's always nice to have Landon kind of bring us back in a little bit. Absolutely. That is all that we have for today, Rabs. Um if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, you know, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, what you think is going to happen, you know, down the stretch for the Cowboys, or like, what is your favorite time of day or day? to watch a Cowboys game. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DaddyFanum24 and Rabs at Rabblerouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we've got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Make sure you get your take-home quizzes in by the end of the week, or you'll get a zero. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot, because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.